0: Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, welcome back to the NL Central Whip Around podcast today. Uh, spring training is in full swing. We're going to be talking about some of these prospects. Uh, that's really my favorite part of the spring is not watching the guys who we've seen do it for a million years, but watch the young kids that we don't get to watch because they're playing in double A, triple A. NL Central, uh, you can say what you will about the big league teams, but I mean, we've got some real farm systems in this division. Um, according to Keith Law, we have... All five teams are in the top 13 with four out of five in the top 10. So, I mean, we've got some we've got some big deal prospects to talk about today. Some of them are popping off this spring. Some of them not so
1: much. Uh, how are you guys doing, Ben, Ryan? Doing great. I mean, you could not have put it any better. I mean, outside of some guys returning from injury, like I want to see how Vado does off of torn rotator cuff surgery, but like... Will Myers or other veterans on the reds. Like I don't need to see how they do, but what intrigues me about spring training is seeing how Ellie De La Cruz, Christian and train, like how the guys that are vying to make the club in the future do. So I think you hit it, hit nail on the head right there. And it's, it's fun, especially as we get closer towards the end. I think we're about two weeks from opening day to where, so now it's, it's getting time, a crunch time. There was already some cuts being sent down earlier this week from, from the big league club. And you mentioned it, the NL central, it is probably regarded as the worst out of the six divisions. I mean, there's a chance, depending on how the Cardinals do, I think we all view them as a favorite, but they can only finish with – 90 ish wins and there's probably Mm -hmm. most of the other divisions are going to have their winner pushing 100 so um but that being said the minor league systems are stacked i mean with most of the teams having down seasons the last couple years reds and pirates especially they've been able to kind of grab in some top prospect talent i mean cubs through trades reds and pirates through both trades and being bad and then the cardinals just always have a good farm system usually the same with the brewers so it's it's going to be fun and it's it's guys you may not see break camp with the club, but probably going to see him at some point, maybe later on this season.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, A lot of the prospects that I'm going to be talking about today, they haven't really been as amazing as I thought they'd be, but just getting to see them play is pretty cool. I know that with the World Baseball Classic, there wasn't a lot of everyday Cubs players that played for a World Baseball Classic team. Um, So they haven't really gotten to show that much, but they've gotten to play a little bit. But, you know, unlike you guys, I don't, I'm not really that, uh, well-rounded when it comes to prospects, but I think that this is a good episode for people to know that what players they need to be looking out for in the NL Central, maybe in the coming years or so.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, We'll talk about some guys today that uh will impact the big league teams this year. Some of them probably won't. Uh, but we'll hop right in here. We'll start with the Brewers, um, a team that no one on this podcast has uh, specific allegiance to, but um, I'm a big fan of uh, Bryce Terang, and we also got uh, Garrett Mitchell we're talking about today. Garrett Mitchell is going off. He's already got three home runs this spring. Um, Bryce Terang hitting 375 with a home run. Um, These are two guys, an outfielder and an infielder, um, that are really climbing up some prospect ranks, and uh, in terms of Bryce Terang, I think he could really be a guy that um makes a big league impact at second base this year.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point on Turing. I mean, a guy that really I think came on the scene. I believe it was last summer, if not the summer before, but I think it was last summer when he really started to make his mark. And yeah, that's a guy for the Brewers. I mean, they yeah, they traded they traded Colt Wong in the to Seattle, correct? So they're yes. gonna need some help. Yeah. I know they got Abraham Toro, but that's not necessarily a guy that is slotted in specifically at second base. I mean, he's a utility guy. And even, two at the other infield spots, uh, they have some potential weaknesses. So to get Terang a guy that's potential to be an impact bat, um, I think at some point this season could really help them. And especially, too, because you know what they have on the pitching side. They need offense. So if Terang is a guy and you can't take everything off of spring training stats, he's not going to come up um, uh, come up to the major leagues and have a 3-4-5 slash line. But if he can hit um, for, for a decent average and show a little Bit a pop, I mean, that's going to bring a ton to the to the Brewers lineup because it's consistently year-in, year-out for them where their worst side of the ball is on offense rather than the pitching. So Terrain, a, a guy at, at a position of need too because, um, like I said, the, the, they've got their catcher. They've got a couple outfield spots, we believe, with Winker and Yelich. Who knows if he bounces back? But infield, a spot they could use, a spot where they lost a player last year in Colton Wong, and now they hopefully get Terang if he can keep up his strong spring.
0: Yeah, maybe he'll be what um... – Uh, Keston Hira couldn't be the last couple seasons. He was a highly touted prospect, um, supposed to play second base and first base for him, but maybe Bryce Terank can fill in there. Uh, Ryan, you got anything, or should we move on to the Cubs?
2: He definitely seems like a guy that I think is going to be able to get on base for him. I mean, 375 average and 24 at-bats is something that I think Milwaukee shouldn't be taking lightly. I feel like he's definitely ready to make a push this year. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the opening roster, but he'll definitely see him this year, I think in milwaukee some point in time in the year i mean he's the son of brian terrain i think baseball kind of runs in their family he he, he played for seattle a couple of uh, i think it was like mm-hmm. 78 games or something like that with seattle so i think baseball definitely runs in their family and i know bryce is definitely their uh, top prospect so i think they are going to be able to see him this year and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do because i think he's a guy that's definitely going to um get on base a lot
0: All right, we'll actually switch over to the Pirates here um, with a couple of guys that I absolutely love, Nick Gonzalez and Travis Swaggerty. Nick Gonzalez is my guy, although I don't really know what they're going to do with him because they just drafted uh, Tamar Johnson um, last year, at, like five or six overall, something like that. But Nick Gonzalez can mash. He's hitting 389. Uh, with a home run in the spring, he's uh, slugging 5.56. Um, and then on the other side in the outfield, uh, Travis Swaggerty um, hitting 368, a couple of bombs. Um, again, these guys are coming up. The Pirates are slowly accumulating some, some real talent on their roster, and they could be scary.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, especially, too, with Swaggerty, that's a guy who's at least attempting to force the Pirates to make a tough decision because they brought back McCutcheon. I believe they have a couple older veteran outfielder spots filled. So Swaggerty, a guy, when you hit 368 and have an on base up over in, in the fours in a in a period of time here in spring training, I think he's at least... Giving them a chance to make the decision, especially because it's not like this is a guy who's vying to be in the big leagues for the first time. I know it was a very small sample size, but Swagger, you did get a cup of coffee with the, with the pirates. I think it was nine at bats. He had in the major leagues last year. Yeah, it was nine at bats. So, I mean, it's a guy who already has that very small sample size of big leagues. And he's kind of trying to say right now, hey, I deserve to be back up there this season. Um, I don't know exactly when those nine-at-bats were, but I would assume it was probably the very end of the season last year. So you would think he's saying, I don't want to play another minor league game. I want to continue those three games, um, give or take, based on the nine-at-bats that he played last season. And he's given the Pirates a a chance to make that choice here in the next couple of weeks. And he may be in the starting lineup in Cincinnati come two weeks from tomorrow.
2: You know a guy I want to talk about is uh someone that we haven't really talked about. I don't know. I might butcher his last name here, but it's it's Drew Maggie or Meiji, and and he's batting four sixty seven and fifteen at bats. He has two bombs and six RBIs, and he's thirty three years old and he's never played in the MLB. What a perfect team to play for for the Pirates. I feel like they're definitely going to see him this year. I mean, I think he's been re- really well. He started really well in spring training, and I think he's just going to kind of keep on going up. I mean, at thirty three, it's kind of it's kind of now or never to kind of get some MLB playing time. And with the Pirates, I mean, he's a third baseman. I mean, obviously you have Brian Hayes, but I think he definitely could maybe see a spot on the roster, not opening day, but sometime throughout this, uh throughout this year. And I feel like a lot of the guys we are going to be talking about, not most, of, I don't think most of them will make the opening day roster, but definitely players that to keep your eye out to see this year for sure.
0: Yeah, you know, a player like him at that age, you know, he could come up, he could provide some uh, bench depth, but we're not talking a uh, big uh, six figure contract coming up for him. But he could definitely provide a little bit of impact this year if they need him. Uh, we'll move on now. We will go to Ryan's Cubs. Um, he's got a couple of big guys up here, one that I'm not a big fan of, and we will talk about that for a little bit. Ryan, you want to take it?
2: Yeah, sure. Let's do that. So, like I said in the beginning, A lot of the guys that I've really been able to talk about and get to see this spring have not shown me a lot, like with the bat. However, Pico Armstrong is a beast in outfield. I think he's got a great arm. I mean, he made an unbelievable diving catch in one game that I was just, this man is just special. I mean, I think he's going to be, I I honestly think that's going to go Bellinger and then Pico Armstrong in the coming years. I think that he's going to be like our center fielder for, uh, for the future. I think he's just that talented. Uh, The bat needs a little bit of work, but I mean, he's not, he's not doing too bad. I mean, 125 batting average isn't the best, but 300 OVP and 125 slugging. And you got to think about, it, he's only played in 11 games. He has five strikeouts, unfortunately, but I think it's just nice to get a look at what he can do with major league players and having him being in that center field over there with Ian Happen left field and then Mancini sometimes in right or whoever, david ross goes with that day i think it's just really special for him another outfielder guy is brennan davis who's betting 231 375 on base percentage and 385 slugging percentage he only has one rbi in nine games which kind of unfortunately makes me a little upset because i feel like he'd be doing a lot better but i know last year pretty sure he was injured for a decent amount of time i think it was like half the year or something so he might still be coming off of that injury but definitely one of the cubs top prospects i was actually going to say we might see him this year, but I don't know. It might happen. It kind of just depends on um, what the Cubs do kind of at the trade deadline, how the season's going, stuff like that. But a guy that I definitely expect to see up this year is Matt Mash-Mervis. Obviously not having the best spring training, 118, 318, and 176 for average on base percentage and slugging, but he's definitely shown what he can do. I mean, Triple A last year, I'm pretty sure he masked 36 homers. He had 119 RBIs. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I know that he's had an amazing, amazing season last year. And I don't think I'm the only customer that I can say that I was kind of upset when they went out and got Hodgman Mancini because I really, truly thought Mervis was going to make the starting opening day roster just because of what he did. But I guess the Cubs want to have some type of veterans in the clubhouse, which all makes sense. And I am a big Eric Hodgman Mancini guy, and I know this episode is not about them, but to be able to have guys like that in the clubhouse is definitely going to help out the young guys. But I think right now for spring training, the things I'm just kind of enjoying are just getting to see those guys when you don't really know when they're going to come up necessarily, but you get the joy of watching them in spring training. They get the joy of learning a lot of different things from instance like Ian Happ, you know, Nico Horner, stuff like that. These guys are teaching them things that they've probably never been taught. So just being able to get that big league experience and then other guys, I'm not, I'm not gonna like talk about their stats, but Owen Cassie and Jared Young are both in the World Baseball Classic right now, and they have been very, very good for Team Canada. I think Cassie and Jared Young have definitely been able to get on a lot. Javier Assad, I know that he's definitely not a rookie, but he's a guy that is kind of fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation. And if you guys watch that Mexico USA game, he shut down Team USA, and that that was pretty phenomenal to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hit it there with Assad, not necessarily more of a prospect type, um, at least not right now, but he he was dominated the other night. All hit quickly on P. Crow Armstrong. I mean, that's a guy who has just dominated the minors so far since becoming a Cub. They got him from the Mets for basically half a season of Javier Baez, so a good move there by the Cubs. And he's not someone who was – going to break camp with with the team by any means. I mean, he's still got work to do in the minors. So I think just to see him get some of that experience um, in, in the big leagues and learn that big league pitching timing, I think it's good. No matter what the stats should have to be. Sure, maybe you'd like to be him to, him to be above the Mendoza line. But I think just getting to see some of that timing, get that experience that he can take now with him into the minor league season, I think is important. And whether he's going to actually become good or not, who knows. But I think there's there's flashes certainly there and something to be excited about
2: the amount you know, of ground that that man covers is just quite absurd as well
1: yeah he
0: has a he has a great i mean you know what you know, you know what he looks like he looks like you know those like things that keep like the camera stable the gimbals like you can move the whole <laughs> apparatus around but the camera stays still that's what his yeah. head looks like running around out there that's how you can really tell what a good outfielder is if like they uh, they're able to Keep their heads still and all this crazy stuff is happening around them. That's that's exactly what Fernando Tatis Jr. does not do in right field. But that is for another day. All right, uh, Ben, do you want to get on to the Reds with um, Christian Encarnacion Strand, the superstar, the Juan Soto of this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a guy who is, has taken over for for from spring training so far and sadly a guy that was reassigned to minor league camp just a couple of days ago, which I think is, is totally understandable. I mean, there's no reason to potentially rush him into the opening day roster. As good as he's looked, and I think that will continue um, – uh, especially in the upper echelon of the minor leagues. But this guy was the premier piece getting back from Tyler Malley from the Minnesota Twins last year. They got Malley and Spencer Steer. So Christian and Encarnacion, a guy that maybe even is the heir apparent to Joey Votto. He played a lot of first base ring string training, and it's Votto's contract is up after this year. So if you could turn it over from Votto to a kid that – you have high hopes for a guy that has shown a ton of power. So to have that at a first base position and for him to show that this spring, I mean, for as limited as the plate appearances have been for Encarnacion Encarnacio and Trent, I mean, he hasn't been playing every day for the most part. To have four home runs and be hitting over 500, I mean, he is just sea ball hit ball. So I like you said, he has been the Juan Soto of spring training, just getting on base a ton. I mean, his because I, I I don't remember exactly what was the reason for, but he's been hitting the ball so well that his average is actually higher than his on base. So um, I think it was because he had a sack fly. I think that's the reason why Yeah, sack fly made his average higher than his on base, but regardless, he's been incredible. That's a guy who's going to be taking up an infield spot of the future and a part of what is the super highly talented prospect wise reds future infield another member of that infield is matt mcclain a guy in 2020 who was the first round draft pick shortstop out of ucla i know the reds have all these shortstop but mcclain a guy too that has also just been great at putting bat on ball um i don't have his exact strikeout numbers on me but it's been very very minimal mcclain not a guy that's going to strike out a ton and for him also average over 375 and on base over 565 also had a walk-off home run off the scoreboard at goodyear ballpark in uh in uh, uh, Arizona and the Reds' first spring training game. So that was, I think, really good to see, especially because the Reds are so prospect-heavy at shortstop. So who can really separate themselves? I think McLean, probably the quickest path to be there next over Marte and Ellie De La Cruz because his bat, I think, is more big league ready with his ability to hit to contact. So McLean, uh, I think for him to have the spring training that he's had so far is a really good sign. And I'm excited just because for the Reds, I mean, this is the guys that are the next generation. You know, uh, Votto's on his way out. Will Maio, it's not like he's going to be here for the next good Reds team, and they don't really have a ton of outfielders either. So it's who is going to join Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson as – future young, great red stars. And I think McLean and Carnacion and, and Strand this spring have really put themselves in a position to do that. And important positions too on the roster. I mean, if you were to, like I said, have a guy that you can plug in even later in the year, if Carnacion and Strand comes up and he's DHing or he's playing first base and Vado's DHing. I mean, I think that's a guy that could be a big help to the ball club. And you really are seeing why this was a the guy they targeted. I mean, they had options in the Tyler Malley deal, deal last July. And, but I think it's easy to see based on the – the ability he has, and the ability that Spencer Steer has, as well as a prospect that I haven't talked about, but is hitting over 300. I get both of them potentially the cornerstones of, of your team for years to come for Tyler Malley, who the Twins may not even extend. I mean, I think you have to give a slight round of applause there for the Reds because at least early returns looks very, very good um, on the return for Tyler Malley, who is a very good pitcher, and it's not a guy that you can just easy, easily replace, but I don't think people view Tyler, Tyler Malley as a guy who's going to lead your rotation. So good work for the Reds so far and excited to see how those prospects continue.
2: A couple of things to say real quick on the Reds. Um, Matt McClain, only three strikeouts, so there's your answer there, Ben. Uh, yeah, he's been swinging the bat well. Um, A little upsetting, I think, kind of a little unfortunate, a bad timing for um, uh, Christian and Conación Stroud to get uh, sent down because in the spring training, you're not playing for anything. I might as well have just kept him up the whole entire time until like the season, like when they well, have to actually send him down. Uh,
1: the, only, the only reason I'm hopping in, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I believe oh, even though he's reassigned to minor league camp, we'll still see him in major league games um so he will still get some at bats but i think just because there are periodic deadlines where you get the roster down to the 53 by basically two weeks from now that would be my guess because ellie de la cruz also reassigned and there's plenty of other players across the league so i don't expect this to see, be the last we see of encarnacion strand um because i'm totally with you like why would you take away at bats on this kid for the next two weeks and get him another however many pl- trips to the plate to see major league pitching. But uh, I, I I like that you called it out because I absolutely would think the same thing, but I believe we will still see him in games. He's just not going to break camp with the Reds.
2: I mean, I just can't think of anyone else besides potentially Jordan Walker, which we'll get to in a second, who's having a better spring training. This man is just – you're a Reds player, man. He's just – Stroud has just been phenomenal. But I do want to ask you a question. So, Spencer Steer, I, I had going into the season that he's going to make the big league camp. Do you, do you think he's make the opening day roster?
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean, that's a guy who you expect to be your future third baseman. And he wasn't even, like I said, the main piece in the Tyler Malley trade. It was it was Christian and Karnosti and Strand. but but Steer is a guy also corner and field position, has had a really good eye at the plate. And as I'm I'm trying to get his stats up in front of me right now, yeah, this spring training hitting out just under 300, 296. And a 387 on base. So that's another guy who, like I said, has a good high at the plate. Don't believe he's striking out a whole lot either. So he got his first taste of the big leagues last September with 95 at-bats. And now for him to kind of like have that experience and already know what major league pitching is like, it's not like the Reds really have other third base options anyway. So I think he's a guy that certainly will be manning the hot corner to opening day. I mean, when you look at the Reds, I mean, when you – I keep saying I mean, but the Reds' future potential infield with Steer and Encarnacion-Strand on the corners, and it's Ellie de la Cruz, and I'm not even mentioning uh, Noel V. Marte or Matt McClain. There's so many different options here to where two years from now we could see Jonathan India playing a corner outfield spot because the Reds have so many infielders. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, thankfully, they get the DH now, but I, I it's an interesting strategy. I kind of like it because I feel like when it's a chance to get the best player available, unless it's two very close players in terms of talent. I think what the Reds have done, it's like, we're going to get as many talented hitters as possible. And we'll figure out the position anyway, especially with shortstops, arguably the most athletic guys on the field. I think they're just going to be like, we'll figure out the position later and we're just going to get as many talented bats. So the Reds, at least infield wise is looking like a very, very bright future.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, this, Incarnacion Strand preseason is kind of reminding me of. Do you guys remember Akil Badu a couple of years ago when he just came out of nowhere, yes. was designated yeah. for assignment, and then all of a sudden he was God yep. in spring training? Yeah,
1: the only, the only, uh, cause I, I mean I no offense to you. I hope Encarnacion Strand goes maybe a little better because I is a good player, but I don't think he's has nearly lived up to that same amount of hype because I also don't yeah. think Badu had the same prospect status at the time as Encarnacion Strand is. I mean, Encarnacion Strand, a guy that is high a little bit more highly talented on the Reds prospect list. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. All right. We will
0: hit the Cardinals real quick. Um, this is essentially just a two-man show here in spring training. Um, I mean, Brendan Donovan, he's a big league player, but after him, um, the two prospects that are really making noise are the are the first two Cardinal selections in 2020, Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. Walker's the main story here. Number four prospect in baseball, hitting 405, 405 and seven thirty with three home runs. This guy, you know, it's not very often that a card that the Cardinals get the chance to draft a guy like this at 6'5, 225. Um, power and speed. Um, I think it was the weird 2020 draft and he was coming out of high school and not college, which was the, which was the trend that year. So I think that the Cardinals kind of took an opportunity and said, Hey, if this kid doesn't work out, he's a big body. And if he does work out, then this guy can be an absolute superstar and he might not have fallen past five in any other year. So that was a big opportunity there. Um, and it's paying off big time so far. He'll He probably won't break with the team, but he will be up at some point this year. and he is also two days younger than me, which is kind of scary because I am um, I'm not quite six five 225. I'm more 64 224 kind of guy See, um. funny
1: the funny thing about when you bring that up is because we're all now getting to the age you no know, ryan just a little bit older than you and i adam but it's like i guess funny answer when you get to the age where it's like guys that are doing these unbelievably athletic things at the college level and even the pro level now um in these major sports it's like man i'm older than him and i'm sitting here in my room on a, on a wednesday night doing homework and uh and, and all that stuff and i mean this guy's going to make however much in the major leagues like i guess it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of funny to now get to where we are, where it's we grow up as kids all the time looking up to these athletes, and now it's like, wow, we're getting close to that age where we're the same as these athletes. I just wanted to throw that in there because I thought it was funny you brought that up.
2: I uh, I wanted to say something real quick. I understand this is not baseball-related, but since we're talking about that, I actually was just reading something before uh, we started this podcast. Um, I'm a big St. Louis SC City fan because the St. Louis just got a soccer team. And there's a kid who's seventeen and he started in all three games and he plays he goes to Pattonville High School, but yet he's a major league soccer player
1: at 17 years old. And there's a, p- a pitcher in the world baseball classic. I think it was for Israel last night. I mean, he's nineteen yes, years it's like old 19. and he's striking out MLB hitters. It's like, man, I was I'm walking to a dining hall at Missouri's campus to get to get dinner at nineteen years old, or I'm doing whatever at nineteen years old. It's just it's funny.
2: I mean, could you imagine just seeing that kid and being like, hey, what are you you doing at 19? I'm striking out Manny Machado in the World Baseball Classic. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? It's crazy. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's absolutely nuts. All right, I will just – I'll just finish off the Cardinals thing real quick with um, the other 2020 selection that is getting a lot of hype right now, Mason Wynn. Um, Started out as a two-way prospect. Right now he's just focusing on hitting defense. Still, he can throw 99 across the diamond. He can hit 100. he uh, hit 296, 375, 556 with a couple of bombs this spring. Um, he looks like he still needs a little bit of polishing, but he is he is a star in the making. He's just way too toolsy right now, or not too toolsy. You can't be too toolsy, but um, it seems like he kind of needs some polishing on a little bit of that. Um, but I'm sure he's only like 20 or 21, so we will get some of that here in the next couple years. Um, all right, let's move on to um, the other big segment of today's episode. We're doing the All-NL Central Prospect Team. Now, this isn't just based off of spring training stats. This is off of um, preseason rankings of prospects and a little bit of how they're doing in spring, but mostly mostly just the rankings. Um, I'll just read them out real quick, then we can kind of talk about it. At Starting pitcher, I have uh, Quinn Priester from Pittsburgh um big big guy um coming up high school prospect a couple years ago um catcher i have henry davis from pittsburgh that uh tandem there could be big for him they just drafted henry davis um really high a couple years ago catcher out of louisville first base matt mervis we already talked about him second base bryce terang already talked about him uh third base noel v Marte, a reds prospect that we haven't touched on and another one uh ellie de la cruz and that will round out the left side of the infield um then let's head out to the outfield jordan walker in left jackson churio in uh right field uh for milwaukee and of course pete crow armstrong manning center field um i really like doing these like all-star teams for like really uh mundane things i i don't know i just really like it uh what do you guys think about this team
1: Yeah, I thought it was fun that the three of us were kind of able to collab and come together to make this. I'll hit on a couple players. I mean, one, Quinn Priester, starting pitcher um, with Pittsburgh. That's a guy, too, who from Illinois, not too far from where I went to high school, close enough to where – uh, my high school's baseball team played his and I was on the team of my friend um, or actually multiple of my friends had multiple bats against this guy when he was back in high school and obviously uh, a very hard pitcher to face at that time and someone that's going to be a hard pitcher to face in the majors when he makes it although I think one of my friends uh, Donovan if you listen to this I believe he reached base against him I'm not positive but I believe he reached base Um, so Donovan a guy I'll, I'll maybe bring on for the future because he's a diehard Cubs fan and I'll have to rem- remember to ask him about that but uh, Priester yeah that's a guy um, Pittsburgh, who has not necessarily found their pitching a ton. Um, they've they've had Mitch Keller, their opening day starter, but needs pitching. Priest a guy that is going to make a future impact for them. And then real quick, um, I'll talk about the two Reds because uh, we haven't hit on them. Noel V. Marte, we have at third base because that's where he most likely projects and where the Reds are planning to move him. He is a shortstop, shortstop when they acquired him from the Mariners in the Luis Castillo deal. Huge bat um has some power in it too, but he's most likely uh, projects more as a third baseman. And that's probably going to move him because of the guy who's going to be manning shortstop, who up next, Ellie De La Cruz switch hitter, ton of power, totally see him as a 30, 30 guy in the future because he can run, but he also can hit from both sides of the plate. Um, and that's a guy who's already a, a highly ranked prospect in baseball. And a guy I think before he makes his debut, because it'll be either later this year, sometime next year, I think, will climb as high as probably a top three rated prospect in all of baseball before he makes that debut. That's just my thoughts on it because I think he'll dominate the upper part of the minors to start the season. So Ellie De La Cruz is going to be a guy, I mean, maybe um, sort of kind of hype of O'Neal Cruz last year. They kind of have a little similar build. I mean, big, tall, um, super strong arm shortstops that can hit. So that's that's kind of the comparison there. And Cincinnati, like I said, they're loaded up on the infield prospects.
2: Yeah, the uh the one thing I would say, obviously Ayla, Ayla De La Cruz, a great player. Maybe um could could take his spot. I don't think so, but Anthony Volpe's not having a bad season, bad spring training with the Yankees. And I know that he was a number six prospect. I think De La Cruz probably better than him, but I know that Volpe definitely uh I could 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 maybe. I don't know. It's definitely up for discussion. But I, I like the I like the list. Uh, I like obviously the Cubs players that you had on there. I don't see any other Cubs player. Obviously, Brendan Davis, but he's not—he's not better than PCA. PCA took that cake when the the Cubs were able to sign him when they well, actually traded for Javi, like Ben said. And PCA is now our number one prospect with Brendan Davis being our number two prospect. So, uh, a little upset you couldn't get Brendan on there, but I understand why because he's not better than Jordan Walker. He's not better than PCA, and uh, he's not better than the other outfielder that you had on there. But. Other than that, like Ben said, I'm excited that we all got to collab on uh, this team and we all got to have a little piece of uh, our team in there.
0: Yeah, I mean, just going back to you, uh, Ben, <laughs> imagine sitting through Algebra 2 and then you've got to go face off uh, against Quinn Priester at 6 p.m. Yep, that yep. would not be a fun day. I,
1: I was in the, the same class with some of those same people who faced off against him. So when, when we get when we get wrapped up here, I'll have to shoot my friend a text and remember it's like, Hey, what was the outcome of that at bat? Which was a funny thing is too, is the exact friend I'm talking about was a PO. He was, he was just a pitcher, but I guess got a couple at bats that season. And this happened to be one of those at bats. So that, that'll that be a fun story because uh, much respect to what my friend was able to do in high school as a pitcher, but he was not the best from the plate. Thus, the reason he was a PO. So it's, it's a little surprising if I remember correctly. And he actually did reach base against Quinn at the time.
0: Yeah, we might have to have him on, have him yeah. tell that story. Oh, oh, abso- maybe absolutely. when Quinn Priester comes up.
1: Yeah, no, that, that would be fun too. And he's a guy who uh, knows just a whole lot about the Cubs and their farm system. So uh, him and Ryan can, can talk up their prospects one day when I have him on.
0: All right, that sounds good. Um I just had one more thing to throw in here. Uh second base was kind of a weird one I think on this team. I had Bryce Tarang because of the big league impact he could have right away, but if we're talking raw talent, Tamar Johnson from Pittsburgh and Nick Gonzalez from Pittsburgh could both take that there. Uh, I I mean, I'm just worried about that whole situation. We can get into that in another episode, but those guys, I guess you could flip-flop them. DH is a thing too, but just having two big-time hitters at second base not a bad problem to have but still kind of a problem that you got to work out. Um, anyone else have anything to say before we wrap this up? No, I mean, we're I, I, involved.
1: I'm excited. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we got
2: baseball season coming up, man. I definitely look forward to the next episode that we're going to be bringing you guys. Cause we're going to have our opening day, um, uh, roster predictions. I think that's going to be exciting. And well, as long as well as our rotation predictions and our bullpen predictions. And, uh, I think I'm just looking forward to the season, man. I, I understand that a lot of Cubs fans are 50-50 on how it's going to go. But, I mean, Bellinger, he's been he's been excited. He's definitely got me looking forward to something. I hope Sayo's ready by opening day. If he's not, we got Mancini. We can slot in that right field. So, I'm definitely excited. It's going to be a fun season for the NL Central.
0: Yeah, big time. Uh, we'll be coming to you weekly once the season starts. But we have just one more episode here before the season to just kind of uh, give one more primer on everything. And then we will get rolling. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Like Ryan said, talking about, uh, some rosters, some final stuff, uh, before we actually get to these games that matter. Uh, that's what I'm really waiting for. All right. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you later.